The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello, Sample Chapter listeners. Welcome to episode 191 of the Sample Chapter Podcast. I am your host, Jason A. Meiske, back again with (laughs) an interesting new episode, but not a new writer. It is a previous guest. Yes, it's myself. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm excited, though, to share with you a little bit of information today about my upcoming book, Bandit Rising, uh, book one of the Bandit Chronicles. Uh, the pre-order is available right now. And uh, the, it's I'm so excited because, as I always tell you all, you guys are the first to hear about it. So there you go. You're the first to know now that the, the pre-order is available. I have not shared that anywhere else. So whenever you're all done, if you find this interesting, if you're if you'd like to know more about this, then uh, yeah, I'll have the link in the show notes. Meanwhile, I, I hope you all are doing well. Um, I had uh, had a couple of responses from last week, people asking about uh, what I was uh, kind of down about. The family, I mentioned that we had a family member who got some not so good news. And uh, to be perfectly honest, just uh, here in the last day or two, they got even more uh, bad news. But it's, uh, you know, I'm not sure really what to say about it. Um, I'm not at liberty to go into who it is, uh, that sort of thing. Suffice to say, um, this very special family member does not have a very good outlook uh, from the doctors right now, and it does not look good. But uh, we're we're hopeful. We're uh, going to pray, and I appreciate those of you who reached out. Um, Just continue praying. For, uh, for my family member, um, like I said, right now, I'm just, I'm not of liberty to to say names or uh, say anything specific, but, uh, you know, I wanted to get word out and, you know, if, if possible, start a prayer chain around the world, because I got some wonderful listeners all over the world, and uh, I love the way you all respond to the show and respond to my, my calls at times about when I'm asking for something, so if you if you have a moment, uh, just take a moment, please, and uh, lift you know my family member into the into your prayers, um, or send out some positive vibes. Whatever you prefer to do is much appreciated, and uh, we're we're just gonna do everything that we can to stay positive and uh, help out this family member while we can uh, for as long as we can. But, uh, anyway, yeah, uh, again, I don't mean to bring anything down. It's just, uh, the news we got was very, very recent again. So we're kind of in shock and, uh, dealing with that. But, but you know what I'm not in shock over, uh, well, maybe a little bit of shock, just a little bit of shock, which is the incredibly great taste of writer's block coffee. I got my shipment in just the other day, and this morning, I'm sipping right now on, mm, uh, sipping on the signature brew of Writer's Block Coffee, 
Oh, this is some good stuff, guys. Yeah, this is really good. I got the uh, the sample size of Writer's Block Coffee came in the other day. That's the one I'm trying right now. And uh, I also got in a... Uh, I also got in a packet of their dead whiskey barrel aged coffee, uh, which I cannot wait to try. It smells incredible. Uh, but there's also a third flavor, which is the Deadline Dark Roast, which is I started to say a second ago. Uh, so yeah, three flavors for you to try. There is also a subscription-based service where you save some money by doing that. Uh, you want to make sure you click that link in the show notes for our specific link to get you over there. And that will pull up the 10% discount right away. Or you want to use code SAMPLECHAPTER at checkout. And that will give you the 10% code. It's a great coffee place. Uh, great products. And uh, even got one of their clip-on spoons. <laughs> Go to their website so you know what I'm talking about. But it's it's a coffee spoon. So you can you can serve your coffee. And it's got a clip on one side. So you can help uh, you know helps close your coffee up. And I like it too because it's a longer spoon. I, I don't know why coffee makers... Uh, coffee companies make these uh, spoons that are so short and you got to reach way down in the bucket. You know, this one's nice and long and great idea. Wonderful idea. But anyway, I love this coffee. This is fantastic. And uh, you got to give it a try for yourself. So writer's block coffee. I, I really love it. This is good. I'm going to take another drink. Ah. All right, uh, I want to thank my other, see how Writer's Block Coffee is, uh, let me go back to that real fast. Uh, they are not a sponsor. I am an affiliate with the company now. And so uh, any orders that you make, I get a little portion of. And, uh, you know, that's what you do as an affiliate. You uh, promote it and then any sales you get a little piece of. So happy to have, happy to be an affiliate with them. Uh, it's a great fit with the show. And, uh, yeah, I hope you check it out. But a sponsor, as far as sponsors go, I do thank my favorite writing software, Scrivener. I I write everything on Scrivener now. <sighs> Sorry, it's early. Uh, and I'm I'm actually not editing anything with this episode today. I'm just I'm really up against the uh, up against the wall for time and. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> you guys get this episode raw for the first time ever. But Scrivener is, uh, like I said, the writing service that I write everything on, including today's book, The Bandit Rising. Um, this is one that I've had a blast writing on, uh, on both my phone, on my iPad, and on my laptop. Uh, granted, most of the writing I do on any of my stories are on my laptop, but it's nice having the the different apps and uh, the ability to open it up and find it wherever it is. Open up right back to where I went, or even you know go to a different chapter because it uh, that corkboard. Oh, sorry, I keep yawning. It's way early here. That uh, corkboard allows you to move chapters around or go from chapter to chapter. And believe me, writing a series like this uh, with several ch uh, characters, 
that has been so helpful to just make a you know click and go like wait a minute when was that was that up in chapter one or was that chapter three that i talked about that and I click up there and look for it oh there it is okay yep i got it and then i go back to chapter like you know 10 that i'm working on or whatever uh it's so handy and i i can't recommend it any any more highly it's a it's a great cert uh, writing service and uh one that you should check out so uh here you go check out this advertisement for how you can save 20 percent jason here hey i wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool scrivener now i know you've heard about scrivener because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and i from the novice to best-selling novelists the reason we all use it is because of Scrivener's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application. And with tools like automatic backup, character maps, project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard, you can see why I use Scrivener every day. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener writing software, built by writers for writers. And thank you once again to Scrivener Writing Software for supporting the show and uh, being with us for so long now. Gosh, they've been with us a few years, and it's so, so awesome. Hey, uh, I want to also thank our podcast friends, starting with Pop Goes the Culture Network, home to half a dozen different shows. Uh, uh, Shows like Fellowship of the Geeks. Multiverse Tonight and Two Dads React. I've talked about Multiverse Tonight a few times here lately. Also talked about Pop Goes the Culture. That's the flagship show. There's also the Alamo Draft House, uh, which is uh, one of my favorite shows on the network. You know, I mean, not to pick favorites, but it's a great show. But uh, yeah, I, I invite you to go on there and check out one of those shows and uh, see what they have to offer. It's lots of great stuff. Anything pop culture related, it's uh, it's in one of those shows. So uh, click that link in the show notes for more. I also want to thank Project Entertainment Network, home to about 30 different shows of an extremely wide variety. Uh, whether you are looking for book reviews, uh, horror-themed uh, writing, whether you're looking for monster uh, monster movie reviews or comedy debate so much great stuff going on just like this wonderful show welcome to wild speculation a podcast where each episode is a short story that explores one of the many strange wonderful and sometimes disturbing worlds of speculative fiction you can find us at wildspeculation.buzzsprout.com on the Project Entertainment Network, and wherever else you find podcasts. So sit back, enjoy the story, and let your imagination run wild. Alright, yeah, so there you go. You can find that show and all the others from Project Entertainment Network in the links below in the show notes. Uh, So make sure you click on there and check it out. Well, uh... No formal interview today. 
<laughs> so nothing to get us on over to. Uh, just me. I'm going to take a couple minutes and just kind of talk about this uh, store. It's a little bit of a different format today, but uh, I wanted to share a little bit of uh, information about the uh, about the book. Uh, I've talked about it before how excited I am to to share this and uh, the uh, I, I released the book cover last week. I did the reveal for that, which has had a huge uh, huge response. Lots of people talking about it and sharing it and loving it, and I, I love it too, guys. It's fantastic. Uh, so this was a story idea that I came up with about four years ago. Uh, yeah, a little over four years ago, um, back in 2017, and I think it, that was around the time that I had first read uh, Ready Player One. Somewhere around that time, I read Ready Player One finally, uh, and that was like 2016, 2017, something like that, and just loved it, just absolutely loved it. I loved the retro uh, look back on the 80s and some of the uh, you know the fun geek stuff that was in that and uh, you know around that time 80s stuff was really hitting everywhere and this is the first time ever that I guess I kind of thought man what could I write that's uh, hot right now something that's uh, really you know 80s bound and something that I'm familiar with uh, you know talk about writing what you know and I just started playing with different ideas. All I could think about was V, the miniseries. You know, and I, I don't mean the most recent one that came out, what, 15 years ago or so. Uh, but uh, I'm talking about the old 80s version where uh, the, you, know, you got the, the peel-away faces and the, uh, the silly effects. Um, I just kept thinking of that. And I thought, well, maybe there's something to that, but I don't want to. I don't know. I didn't know what to do with it, you know. I just kept playing with the idea. But that's when I got the, that's when I got the uh, the, the main theme of the show, the idea of a young man, uh, a boy, really, when the war starts, when the aliens first come, uh, that maybe this boy hides out and he's uh, stuck in a in a hideout, stuck in a uh, a bunker somewhere. And, uh, you know, it's just full of movies and, and that's how he learns to fight. And, uh, I kind of played with the idea. I messed around with it some more, uh, tried a few concepts and built on it until finally it just, I had so many ideas suddenly coming to me that 2017's NaNoWriMo, that's what I, that's what I began was Bandit Rising, uh, book one of the Bandit Chronicles, because along with the ideas for this book, the more I came up with, the more I realized, wow, this is, this will be my first series. This is going to have a lot to it because there's so much I can do. Uh, you know, the idea was book one, introduction, book two, uh, we're going to throw some more characters into it and have uh, a new adventure. Book three, uh, a little bit of an arc uh, where our main character bandit is discovering you know, maybe he uh, needs to not be alone anymore. Maybe he's discovering that, you know, he's got family around him with these friends that he's uh, developing, uh, friendships that he's developing around him. Different things like that. You know, I started realizing that, yeah, this is going to be my first series, and, and so it is. So I started uh, the draft of Bandit Rising in 2017. 
a very rough draft and uh, just kind of played with it. I wrote with uh, wrote that throughout that November and into uh, the fall or into the you know Christmas time. And then I stopped for a while because at that time I was still working on um, Nine Mile Bridge, my first book. <laughs> and, and that's when I thought, okay, you know what? I got to get back to Nine Mile Bridge um, and uh, get that done. And I did. Completed Nine Mile Bridge. It came out in the uh, spring of 2018. And... <clears throat> I really, I spent the rest of 2018 just kind of dabbling with, uh, you know, more edits on Nine Mile Bridge. I did a couple of updates on it throughout the summer. And then coming back to uh, Bandit Rising again. And uh, it, later that year, later 2018, is when I ended up with the idea for Novel Idea, which just kind of hit me like a train. <laughs> and... I ended up having to, uh, I, I had to work on it. I had to keep going with Novel Idea and Powerhouse that one. And, uh, you know, I worked on Novel Idea throughout uh, uh, November of 18 and into the next year when I, fi I finished it. Uh, and then promptly got right back into Bandit Chronicles book one and uh, finished it in 2019. Uh, actually, while I was sitting at home from my first knee surgery in uh, November, I finished Bandit 1 and then began Bandit 2 uh, for NaNoWriMo while I recovered. So that was a great two weeks and wonderful to do. Um, the uh, Again, the story just kind of evolved as I was writing it. I didn't have a big plan, but uh, still, it, uh, it came together very nice. And I've got this character of Gene. Gene Mason, and uh, he is the young man who's like 12, 13 years old, back in 1989. That's when the Zoller, Zoller uh, aliens attack our world, and they uh, they attack, and it's a world domination thing. Uh, there is a special mineral within our, our the crust of our, of the Earth that we are totally unaware of. It's microscopic, uh, but they know how to dig down and uh, process it. You know, there's a way for them to process it. Uh, first in the field where they pull out the, the raw ore uh, compound of it. And then they take it to their ships where it's been, where it's refined. And it's, it's a uh, untapped energy source. Uh, untapped for us, the earthlings. But that's what, uh, that's what these uh, Zoller aliens are here for. They're, uh, they take out worlds and, uh, you know, capture whatever resources they want, but, uh, and then they, they take over the planet, uh, and then that's what they do. They just go from planet to planet across the galaxy and, uh, taking over. The Zoller themselves, uh, very interesting. They are a reptilian alien, uh, bipedal, so they walk on two legs, and, uh, not only are they reptilian in appearance, but they also have a unique face in that uh, their faces are somewhat bird-like. They have like a bird-like uh, beak on their front. Um, it's leathery and it, it bends. It allows them to talk, so it's not hard. Uh, but it is, uh, it's very, uh, 
very much looks like a beak as, as far as what we know. There's the, uh, the grunt of the, uh, of the species called the rucks. And those are a little over five foot tall. Uh, they're stocky. They, they, they're the grunts. They do most of the work and they, they are more than half the population, uh, of the Zoller. But, uh, they, uh, they have a, uh, <laughs> they have a, a beak on the front of their face that's kind of like a chicken. You know, it's just short and squat, uh, not much to it. And, uh, uh, they're, uh, that species is a little dense. Um, and like I said, they don't really, they don't do a whole lot of thinking. They just go and they do, they do the work. Um, plus they serve as, uh, the majority of the military. A military force military force and the workforce uh, but that's the rucks after them comes the drax the drax are the warriors the noble warriors of the race they are the uh i guess what you would uh, more think of when if you thought of uh well maybe not what you would think of if an alien attack but if you thought of something scary and strong coming at you then that's what this guy would be he, they are over six foot tall six and a half foot tall uh, powerfully built and they have a uh, hawkish beak on the front of their face um, that's how you identify a rux and you know they are in charge of the military some of them um, are uh well, there's legends about some of the other ones of, of that, uh, you know, maybe becoming something else. Uh, that's a little bit of a spoiler, <laughs> but not for this book. It'll be in the future. But uh, yeah, that uh, they're, they're the warrior race and they are about a third, uh, a little more than half of that remaining uh, force of the, uh, the, the race of uh, Zoller. And then the uh, the smallest portion of the uh, the race is the geeks. Now the geeks are unique in that they are they don't have a beak. They are more salamander looking, uh, you know, very pallid skin, slimy, um, and smooth faces. Um, and you know, fittingly, <laughs> they are the politicians <laughs> of the, of the race. And uh, they also serve as scientists and uh, other, uh, you know, mechanical-wise. You know, they, they make the discoveries and, uh, you know, work in science and, and such. But, uh, yeah, they are also the political ones. And in this story, you meet a geek called uh, Malik. And Malik is, uh, apart from the rest of his, uh, or he's a unique from the rest of his race, in that he will, uh, he is running a game, and you're going to find out about that here soon. <clears throat> uh, lots of great stuff, um, I think, throughout the story. Uh, one of the characters you're going to meet in this chapter is a Drax commander, a Drax warrior named Xandor, and he has a special background with the bandit, with our, our young character. Gene. So, as I said, Gene, he was like 12, 13 years old when he went into hiding. Um, his, uh, you know, this is because it takes place in the late 80s. 
we're still in a little bit of uh, recovering from the Cold War. Cold War had just ended like a year or so before. But uh, prior to that, there was still every bit of thought that, you know, maybe the Russians might attack any time. Uh, people would uh, always expect, wait for something like that to happen, courtesy of movies like Red Dawn, which admittedly was a uh, inspiration for this book. Oh, I love that coffee. Oh, so good. Uh, so Jean uh, goes into hiding in a neighborhood bunker. And it's a hidden bunker. It's underneath the house of a neighbor who his old Jean's older brother is aware of. Jean's older brother knows this family. Well, I mean, they, they all know. They're family friends. But uh, nobody knew that they had a bunker underneath except for uh, Jean's brother, who was friends with the, with their oldest son as well. And uh, their oldest uh, son had shown them before that, yeah, they got this underground bunker uh, hidden away under the house. And it's big enough. It's got a couple of bedrooms and a uh, little living room and its own power source and whatever. So ready to go for, you know, uh, years is what the plan was in case they ever had to. And in this case, uh, when the war starts, uh, that's where Gene went. He hid out in this with his brother, um, where we pick up the story. Five years later, his brother is no longer with him, and Gene has been on his own for quite a long time. Um, as kids do, um, you know, he uh, he is still a kid. He he <laughs> he wanted to collect the things that are interesting to him, which means video games and movies and other stuff. So he, over time, of course, has collected a, a big collection of his action movies that he loves. And he has learned to fight over time by watching uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, Chuck Norris. Uh, even There's even some old uh, Jackie Chan that you'll get, that'll get touched on at some point. Uh, but anyway, all the old action heroes are his trainers. They have taught him uh, not only how to fight and how to be brave, but also the value of a good catchphrase. So, so it's been a lot of fun to write this story and uh, <laughs> to give uh, Gene a, uh, you know, lots of uh, fun adventures. He uh, he dresses himself in a trench coat, you know, a duster. He wears a black uh oh oh uh a black cowboy hat that's a it's a stetson style cowboy hat like crocodile dundee uh, of course over time he took out the plastic alligator teeth that were in there and has replaced them with uh zoller uh souvenirs uh but yeah it's a crocodile dundee hat uh, of course he wears his ray-ban shades and uh the reason he is known as the bandit is because whenever he goes out and has a strike against, uh, he, he does guerrilla strikes against the Zoller here and there, he drives a black Trans Am. And, uh, and then he leaves behind a, he paints on the wall or on a vehicle or whatever that he uh, attacks, he paints a symbol on the wall that looks like a, uh, like a bandit symbol. You know, it's a little uh, face cover. It, it kind of, you'd have to look up the old uh, Skull Tobacco uh, bandit logo which is this was very prominent in the 80s uh you know of course everybody liked tobacco back then uh but it looks a lot like that and uh, 
So Gene would leave a symbol behind that Bandit was here. And, uh, oh, another very important uh, figure. Something else that's important to Gene is his uh, his sword. He has a sword that he uses, that he has learned, uh, courtesy of <laughs> Highlander. <laughs> so there can be only one. Uh, it's It's been a blast to... Uh, you know, go back and uh, rediscover lots of uh, lots of fun things from the '80s, and uh, <laughs> have have a lot of fun with a nod to this or that. And uh, I, I hope you like it. I think uh, I think it's a fun story, and you know, we're gonna see Gene. Um, the book, this book in particular, Bandit Rising, is it's it's five years after the initial attack on Earth. And Gene has been known as the Bandit now for uh, for a year or two, a couple of years, and has been uh, making a problem. But he's also been very alone. Um, in this book, he has his introduction finally to the Resistance, and um, that's uh, essentially the uh, the essence of the story. Gene is meeting the Resistance. Uh, he meets a uh, young woman uh, named Beverly. And uh, her little brother, Jeff, uh, through happenstance, uh, Gene stumbles upon the uh, the resistance. Uh, he's preparing to do a strike himself and then realizes, oh, the resistance is already here. He sits back and observes the debacle that happens, that takes place, because they're not quite as organized as uh, clearly as what Gene does. But Gene's one guy, and they are a group that, you know, if you're not that organized... It uh, things don't work out well, and so Gene sees that things are not working out well, and goes against his own policies by stepping in and helping. Um, it's a little too late when he steps in to help out. Most of the uh, whatever resistance is left, most of them have have uh, retreated and gone away, uh, except for Beverly and her little brother. Uh, Beverly was struck by de falling debris of a building. And knocked unconscious, and her brother didn't want to leave. Didn't want to leave her, and uh, that's when Jean comes in and saves them and takes them back to his hideout for them to recover. And the story kind of goes from there. Uh, he ends up taking them to their uh, resistance hideout, uh, the resistance headquarters, which is located at the Independence Mall in Independence, Missouri. And uh, there he meets the resistance as a whole, and. Uh, it, you know, it leads up to a grand finale. And uh, the chapter I'm reading is actually further in the book. Uh, this is just before things really kick off. I'm reading from chapter, I think this is chapter 12. And uh, you're going to get to meet the uh, the bad guys, the, uh, the Zolder. And it's, it's a fantastic chapter. I had a lot of fun with this chapter. Because uh, it was my first chance to really delve into the aliens and uh, what they want, what they're doing. And you hear what uh, the bandit has meant to them so far. So um, that's what's happening. Uh, what's going on in the background? I guess I should give you a little more background again here. Oh, that coffee's still hot and still good. Uh, so what's going on in the background is that uh, <clears throat> after 
Uh, Gene met with the resistance. Of course, he decided, no, I'm, I'm a lone wolf. I'm going to go and be on my own. And uh, shortly after that, uh, Beverly's little brother, Jeff, was captured. Now, uh, what they do with captured humans is they either put them in the, to the, um, into the mines where they uh, you know, help dig or they destroy them, destroy the human altogether, or they take them to Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City where Malik, that uh, geek alien, has created a gladiator-type ring. And he has brought forth uh, monsters from all across the galaxy. And, uh, you know, they do battle for him. And uh, that's what's going on in the background. Um, Gene got a couple of people from the Resistance to agree to come with him. And uh, Gene is about to um, strike on Arrowhead Stadium to see if they can rescue Jeff. That's, that's what's happening in the background. And, uh, yeah, without further ado, Chapter 12 of Bandit Chronicles. Bandit Rising. <clears throat> Bandit Rising. Drax Commander and renowned warrior of legendary status, Xandor Caden the Brutal, stomped his heavy-booted feet along the halls of Arrowhead, drowning out the creak of his emerald steel armor. The sword hanging at his side slapped and clanked in a rhythm against thick-muscled legs, while a gold cape trailed behind as he moved with purpose. He detected the pungent odor of rotted flesh from somewhere within the building. It invaded the reptilian nostrils perched atop his leathery, hawkish beak. It was a wonderful smell. It smelled like victory, and he absently sniffed even harder. As much as he hated being back on the accursed world of these humans, he must admit the delicious smell of their rotted bodies was truly heaven-sent. Passing a smashed display case, his one good eye gazed lazily at the picture inside of a group of humans. They wore red and white uniforms, some wearing a helm of some sort as they celebrated and held aloft a trophy. The stand before the picture lay empty except for a faint, dusty ring as if something had once sat there. Xandor's fleeting wonder of what may have happened to it evaporated when he rounded a corner to find a geeks waiting for him in the hall. Dressed in an elegant crimson and gold robe, Malik, Geek's lord of this facility, stood in the hall, joined by two Rux guards. Unlike most geeks who are in the upper echelon of the Zolar species, and most likely in the science or political fields, Malik enjoyed entertaining. Though he held no official position, title, or the power entailed with such monikers, he was more slippery and sly than most. Malik was a master of getting what he wanted, and was the reason for Xandor's return to Earth, something Xandor was not happy about. <clears throat> Xandor stopped several feet short of Malik, his scaly, clawed hand resting on the pommel of his sword. He nodded slightly and spoke with a deep, growling resonance. Malik. Greetings, noble Xandor. Your reputation precedes you, Malik hissed. His he tilted his large, oblong head in a mock bow, something no geeks did to a Drax as the warrior race was technically below them. Xandor took note of the etiquette breach and scowled. He had no time for games. 
What is the meaning of this? Why have you called for me? Malik's bulbous eyes narrowed behind slick pink eyelids. My reasons aren't my own. But since I respect your reputation as one of action, I'll tell you. He breathed heavily, and Xandor thought he detected a rattle in the sickly, pale creature beneath his robes. The slimy, mucus-colored skin on Malak's forehead rose questioningly. But first, you have brought what I asked? Xandor clicked two claws together, and an entourage of soldiers approached, pulling a covered cart. He strode to one side, gripped the cloak at a corner, and yanked the cover free, exposing a barred cage. Huddled inside, at a corner, huddled inside, was a furry blue creature with a wolfish face. It snarled at the sudden exposure, barring long, sharp canine teeth under curled lips. Xandor tossed the cloak aside before waving for another soldier to come forward. From this one, he took a curved, gold-colored staff with a bladed tip at one end and a spike on the other. It stood nearly as tall as Malik himself at five feet. He used it to point to another soldier who approached carrying a furry, blue, egg-shaped pouch. It squirmed in, in the soldier's clawed grip, and he held it out for Malik. Malik, Xander growled, I present to you the Ishitek royal family, he chuckled menacingly, or at least what's left of them. Malik's face glowed, a sickly incandescent white, as the elation on his face could not be contained. He bent before the cage, wonder, staring in wonder at the Ishitek creature that continued to growl fiercely. Malik considered petting the bound-up thing, but thought better of it after seeing the teeth. Instead, he rose and glided to the egg. This he did pet, stroking the fur and feeling the moving beast within, writhing within. At last, his large eyes moved away to the staff in Xandor's hand. For this, his face split in a wide, grotesque grin, and his skin glowed once more. Xandor held the prize out for Malak, who reached for it, only for it to be snatched away before he could grasp it. The staff twirled easily in Xandor's hands, whipping around his body back and to the front again, where it stopped with a blade tip just inches from the geek lord's anxious face. A blue flash sparked from the end of it, and Malik brought up his clammy hands for protection. Xandur chuckled cruelly, then spoke through gritted teeth. I have what you want. Now speak, gamesman. Why have you called me here? Malik slowly lowered his hands, relief showing in his face that he wouldn't be zapped by the ancient Ishitek weapon. He gathered himself and straightened his robes. You forget yourself, warrior. I may not be your commander, but it was I who commanded your presence. He looked him up and down dramatically. And as I commanded it, here you stand. Zendor said nothing, but his remaining eye did ever so slightly twitch. Malik sneered as his own eyelids narrowed again. I've heard of your otherworldly exploits. They are known across many galaxies, like the way you almost single-handedly conquered the Ulets in the Gamma Realm, or how you vaporized a pair of Canis destroyers when it was said they had you dead to rights. Then, of course, your most recent 
you most recently led the charge into Eshitek, a planet of mystic warriors who, before your arrival, had never tasted defeat. Indeed, Zandur, you do your race proud and live up to your namesake. <clears throat> and you, Lord Gamesman, Zandur set the staff across his shoulders and began to pace the hall. I, too, am aware of your reputation. Your contests, the gambling, the experiments. He looked over his shoulder at Malik, a half-grin pulling at his leathery cheek. The bribes. Malik matched the grin with one of his own. I knew you would be the one I was looking for. The one with ambition enough to help me achieve my own future endeavors. You brought me what I asked for. The thing I was told was unreachable, a most fantastical gift. Yet you pulled it off, just as I knew you would. He held his hand out, patiently waiting for the staff, as he said softly, just above a whisper, And in return, I have something for you. Zandor stared down at him, until the smaller lord added, If you please. The warrior relented, and placed the staff in Malik's sticky fingers. Thank you, Malik said. The pupils within his large eyelids, eyelids dilated as he gazed in wonder at his prize. He glanced at the cage where the Ishitek creature within had lowered his head. It seemed to either be in prayer of some kind or a Zen state. In prayer or some kind of Zen state. <clears throat> Malik moved closer, his fingers finding the hidden button on the staff as he did. He pointed the tip towards the Ishitek and depressed the button. Blue lightning arced across. Blue lightning arced, and the creature howled in rage. Muscles rippled under the blue fur as it shook uncontrollably, and Malak relented with a cry of rapture. Oh, oh, that is lovely! He hissed, his skin glowing from the pleasure. Thank you, warrior. He will make a fine addition to my games. And the crowds will love hearing his howl. And that one? Xander pointed to the furry egg. A wicked smile grew on Malak's nudish face. I believe I'll make that one my pet, he laughed, and walked around the egg, using the staff as a walking stick. And now you, my noble warrior friend, as for the reason I called you here, I believe I have located something you've been looking for. Xander frowned, looking bored. There is nothing I s nothing here that I seek. Are you certain? He closed the distance between them and used the staff to point to the scar across Xander's destroyed eye. An old friend, perhaps? Xander slapped the staff away. His lips curled back over his teeth, momentarily showing an emotional response, something he'd worked long to repress. Tell me what you know, gamesman. Now it was Malik who casually paced the hall, the staff giving a metallic thud each time he tapped it on the concrete floor. I know only that in the early days of our conquest over this planet, you were the sole survivor of a vicious attack, albeit not unscathed. He ran a bulbous finger down his own left eye, mirroring Xander's scar. He grinned cruelly and continued. Naturally, you recovered, strong as you are. But the rumors persisted you were sent off-world due to your lack of interest in our mission here. 
you no longer cared for the securing of or the obtaining of our necessary resources, our kind needs, preferring only for the hunt. The hunt for the one who hurt you. The one creature in the galaxy who's ever been able to lay a finger on the great Drax warrior, Xandor the Brutal. Careful of your tone, gamesman, Xandor growled. Malik noted a glint in the warrior's eye, an odd spark. Was it anger? Was it fear? Perhaps both. Either way, he knew he had the warrior's attention, and he pursed his lips. He turned away to continue his pacing. Worry not, noble warrior. I do not heed rumors or hearsay. I tend to read between the lines and look at the big picture. Like what is happening here, for instance. These humans are a nuisance. They seem to forget they've been defeated and can somehow rise up against us. He turned to face Xandor, the pallid skin blanching a shade of pink. There is one human among them who has been a particularly annoying. They, a human they call Bandit. <clears throat> Xandor snorted. What kind of name is that? Malik waved a dismissive hand. Who knows and who cares? Mm. Who knows and who cares? What does matter is that in the past couple Earth years, he's made himself a problem for me. You call me gamesman, and while that is true, I've turned that hobby into a way of life that now includes managing the resource collection in this region. Your bandit has caused countless losses of our troops and even more in minerals. I ignored him for a time, figuring he'd be captured or killed eventually. But he seems to have a knack for not dying. <clears throat> that doesn't make him my enemy, gamesman, Xandor said. What makes you think that he is the one? And why not just send a battalion to his home and destroy? <clears throat> why not just send a battalion to his home area and destroy him? That's just it, Malik barked, his skin burning a shade of red. We don't know his home. We don't know his home. He moves around constantly. One day he's hitting our supply runs to the south of here. The next day he's many miles north. And before you ask, yes, we, I've tried tracking his movements to pinpoint a pattern, but he keeps it so random. Xandor shook his head and smiled. That he can confound the expert manipulator such as yourself is indeed impressive. But you've not answered me. Why do you think this has anything to do with me? Malik rubbed his slick forehead for a minute as if lost in thought. At last he shrugged and threw his arms in the air. Call it a hunch or a feeling. Believe me, warrior, I have a sense for these kinds of things. It's a part of what makes me good at what I do and why I call on you. I believe the human who gave you that scar and stole your dignity and my bandit are the same earthling. I also believe that you should be the one who rids us of him. Again, Xandor did not respond. He merely stared unconvinced at the slimy geeks. Malik huffed. You said you know my reputation, therefore you know not only what I'm good for, but what I'm also capable of. I assure you, warrior, rid us of this human pest, and not only shall I make it worth your while, and I... 
and I shall make it worth your while. Surely there is something someone of your ability has need of. Zandor breathed deeply through his nostril holes and let it out. Indeed, there is something he wanted, a Zolur artifact he'd crave for as long as he could remember. If anyone could discover it, Malik would be the one, if it truly exists, that is. <clears throat> he bowed before the geek, saying, It shall be done, Lord Malik. A sound outside like distant thunder vibrated near a window, and a tremor shook the floor beneath them. Xandor instinctively gripped his sword hilt and looked to the nearest window. Do the humans here have flying machines again? Malik shook his head, his eyes wide and confused. No, not for years now. He tapped his staff on the ground, calling forth a fellow geek's assistant. This geek's was on a communication device speaking to someone. Who is that? What's going on? Malik hissed. The assistant spoke again into the comm and nodded. It covered the mouthpiece to speak to his master. Several explosions to the north of here. Shall we send a squad? Send two squads, along with air support, Malagord. I want that area searched and squashed, any humans you find. Hold that order, Xandor said, looking at the window over the north parking lot where the transports moved. I saw on my way in that you have turrets mounted to the top of this facility. Man those now in case this is a trap, and I suggest... I suggest you've forgotten your place, warrior, Malik interrupted. This is my facility, remember? He turned to his assistant. What are you waiting for? Send the order. Yes, sir, the geek said and repeated the order into the comm. Xander came away from the window just as another explosion thundered outside. Lord Malik, you are in charge, of course, but I have tactical experience out with these matters. I only suggest you first secure this facility from possible attack, just in case this is a diversion. Then go crazy. Send all the troops you like. Malik stared at the tall warrior, unflinching. He was used to staring down fearsome creatures bigger than he, but there was a dangerous air about Xandor. Something in the Drax's eye told Malik that he'd just as easily break him in half as to step on a bug. The thought gave his slimy skin a shiver, but he barely contained, but he barely contained rather than show weakness to anything bigger than him. <clears throat> they all heard the whining sound of Malik's ships outside, pulling away from the stadium as Malik and Zandur continued to stare each other down. The assistant, still on the comm, was the one to break the silence. And the turrets, my lord? Malik's lips curled inward as he thought of the warrior's advice. He scoffed. The very idea that these humans attacking my facility is preposterous. The assistant bowed nervously. Yes, my lord. He agreed and held out the calm as if to explain himself. I thought as you do, lord. It's the games. It's the watchmen who are asking... Malik snatched the comm and barked into it. This is Lord Games. <clears throat> he caught himself and momentarily, and the momentary smirk on Xandor's beak. This is Lord Malik. You know what to do in these instances. Secure the area and have the turrets that are occupied report anything unusual. 
and have the turrets report anything unusual. He tossed the comm back at his assistant and glowered at the warrior. Happy now? Long practiced in the art of pacifying his superiors, respectful, respected as well as those he didn't, such as now, Xandor gave a curt nod. Most impactful, Lord. Malik was unsure how to take the comment. He realized he may need to figure a way of keeping Xandor on a leash for this agreement to work. While the stories of the warrior's conquests are full of bold choices, Malik only now was coming to see how clever he may be. This arrangement will be on a fine line indeed, he thought. The assistant was back on the comm, speaking again. Yes, I understand. Hold on. My lord, the southeast tower is not responding. Malik rolled his large eyes. What do you mean the southeast tower isn't responding? They're not checking in or responding to calls. Malik waved his hand, matter-of-fact style. Well, then send someone to check on them. Maybe the explosion knocked out. The screech of static and feedback pierced their ears, causing everyone to duck instinctively and cover their ears. The sound reverberated around them in the building and echoed down the concrete halls. What was that? Malik said to no one in particular. More feedback sounded, following by the fumbling sound of a microphone bouncing around the input before finally sliding in. A hum, like the sound of a thousand fluorescent lights, punched their ears. Within seconds, a hollow laugh creepily. A hollow voice laughed creepily before saying, <clears throat> I hunger. Malik went a pale, a paler color than normal and gripped his staff closer to him. The assistant dropped the comm, which struck the ground and skittered to a few feet aw away, forgotten. The voice spoke again. Run, run, human! This was followed by a deafening roar. <laughs> From the voice, making everyone in the hall duck. Everyone except Xandor, who stood gripping his sword hilt. He grimaced at Malak, disgusted by the geeks who now cowered on the floor near the cage. Xandor admonished his own cringing troops, barking orders and kicking the nearest one. How dare you show fear to someone, something other than your leader? Stand and come with me, or I'll slay you where you lay. Malik peered at the warrior as he stormed past. Xandor, where are you going? Xandor's boots once again pounded the floors of Arrowhead Stadium. As he stormed away, he spat a response over his shoulder to the gamesman, saying simply, He's here. That was a sample chapter from my latest book, Bandit Rising. It's book one of the Bandit Chronicles, and uh, it's available for pre-order right now. Uh, it will come out October 22nd. That's the uh, the plan right now, so you can click that link in the show notes to uh, pick up a copy for yourself. Uh, don't forget to follow the links for our podcast friends and sponsors alike, and be sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't mess out next week with I'm with when I'm with a new author, a new book, and a brand new sample chapter. Take care, everybody. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.